Our second reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, and it's at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He has uh, just been in a synagogue. He's cast a demon out of somebody, which stirred up a bit of controversy, but also a bit of notoriety and fame for him. And that comes into play in the reading we are just about to hear from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. So let us listen for the word of God for us today from this text. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick and possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered at his door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said, everyone is searching for you. And he answered, let us go on to the neighboring town so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The word of God that is still speaking. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. There was this priest who used to spend his free time doing ride-alongs with police officers on their shifts. Quite simply, he was just curious about what that was like for them, and so he would call and ask if he would ride along. But after a while, the tables got flipped, and they started calling him and asking him if he would ride along with them. There was a woman in his church whose husband was a police officer, wasn't a churchgoer, he just never really participated in the life of the church, but she was worried about him. She'd noticed he was more and more distant, more and more depressed, and so she thought maybe if the priest could ride along with him, it would give him somebody to talk to. And so she asked the priest, it's like, don't tell him I sent you, but ask him if you could ride along with him. So we did, and the man said yes, so he rode along. And he learned two things that night. One, the police officer had developed just a horrible sense of cynicism about people in the world, which makes sense because police officers are trained to look for the bad and not the good. And second, he learned that the officer no longer believed in God after the things he had witnessed. The shift passed mostly with them talking about the job. And then the officer called the priest and asked if he would ride along again. And then he called again and asked if the priest would ride along. And then he showed up at church. And after joking about the roof not falling in, the priest asked him what brought him to church. And you know what he said? Seeing my job through your eyes. He said, I was just happier when you were with me. You made it fun to do my job again. That first night you rode along, you said you believed that police officers had a vocation just like you did. And I had never before connected those two things, and it helped. 
I love the story. And it has nothing to do with a police officer. It has to do with how the priest lived out his faith. He did not quit his job and become a missionary. He didn't sell all he had and give it to the poor. But what he did do, he did not because of his faith, but because he was curious. He did ride-alongs with the police. And while he was there, he talked with them about God. While he was there, he shared what he saw God doing through them. And while he was there, he helped them see their jobs with new eyes. So he started writing with the cops because he was curious. But while he was there, he did ministry. Let's take another look at that gospel reading. Remember where we are. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's just recruited his first four disciples. He's gone to the synagogue to teach, and while he was there, he meets a man possessed by a, dream, a demon, and he casts the demon out. And then he goes to Simon Peter's house, presumably to relax after a busy day. And while he was there, Simon Peter tells him, hey, my mother-in-law is sick. And so Jesus healed her. In this text, Jesus performed several miracles, but that's not the point. The point is, while he was there, wherever he was, he involved himself in the lives of those around him. And in his words and in his actions, they got a taste of the kingdom of God. I think sometimes we have this idea that as people of faith, there's something big God wants us to do. And some people spend their entire lives trying to figure out what that one thing is God wants them to do. I think I told you uh, a couple times about Esperanza, a woman that I met before, well, when I was still in college, who did not know me, who took my hand and looked at me and said, you're going to do good things or great things for God. And I'm thinking, I have no clue what that means. And I still have no clue what that means. I have yet to find like one grand thing that God is calling me to do. But I think sometimes we go through life that way and, and we hear that from other people when they say, um, like if someone has been healed, well, God, God has a plan for you. And I, I do believe in plans, but I'm not so sure we mean it in quite the same way. Sometimes when people say that, they think, well, God has something significant, major, a, and I, a thing you are supposed to do. But what happens if you never figure out what that thing is? I love this story about the priest and about Jesus because they're telling us that maybe they aren't big things we have to do. Yes, Jesus did big things, but for the rest of us, maybe we don't have to heal the sick or raise the dead or command an audience of thousands or find a cure for cancer or achieve world peace. I mean, that would certainly be awesome if we could do that, but the reality is most of us will never find our names in the history books. But while we are here, can't we give the people around us a taste of the kingdom of God? 
like that priest who rode around with the cops. He didn't stop a bullet in his tracks. He just opened the eyes of those he was with while he was there. And he reminded them of the good God can do through them. And he pushed back against that cynicism that had infiltrated probably so many of them. So I think maybe the question we should ask when we get up in the morning is now, what, is, what does God want me to do today? As if there were one thing God wanted us to do today. But rather, while I am here, how can I give a taste of the kingdom of God to those who cross my path? How can I encourage someone? How can I help someone? How can I brighten someone's day? It sounds pretty small, doesn't it? For the priest, he listened. And then he helped those officers see their, their jobs through new eyes. He probably reminded them of why they got into police work in the first place. Most get in because they actually want to help people, not because they want to focus on all that's wrong with the world. Jesus noticed the needs of those around him, and while he was there, he did what he could to help them. And everyone needed something different, which means he had to actually really be present with them in the moment and connect with them. He couldn't just assume he knew what everybody needed. And I think maybe that's a good place for us to start every day. I wake up in the morning, and I know some of you do too, saying there's not enough hours in the day to do everything I need to get done. And so it is very easy to be in a rush throughout the whole day because there's always something else we have to get to and something else we have to do. But we get in such a rush that we miss seeing the people who are right in front of us. So take the time to breathe and to connect. Take the time to be present with someone who's in front of you while you are there. Remember, the priest started his work just by being curious. Maybe that's good advice for us. Be curious about the person in front of you. What is their story? What are their needs? What are their joys? Connect with people. And you will find that the Spirit will guide you in how to respond and how to help meet whatever need they make known to you. And then do what you can while you're there. You won't be able to fix everything, but while you're there, what can you do? Maybe it is sharing your faith. Maybe it's offering an encouraging word. Maybe it's giving a few bucks. Everybody's needs are different. But you're not going to know what they are if you aren't fully present with them in the moment, which is sometimes the hardest thing for us to do. So my advice to you is when you get up in the morning, breathe. I can guarantee you whatever you don't get done today will still be waiting for you tomorrow, so you wouldn't have missed out. And if it isn't, then maybe it wasn't that important. The world will not stop rotating on its axis if you don't make it through your to-do list. So get up and breathe and slow down and Commit yourself to just being present in the moment, whatever moment happens that day. Don't be thinking about what's 10 minutes ahead or 10 days ahead. Be present with whoever is front of you whenever they are there. And be curious. Ask questions. It's amazing the kind of encounters you can have if you commit to being fully present with a person 
in the moment. And what a gift it is to them to have someone be fully present with them. Most of us don't experience that often enough. Most of us know, and I'm as guilty as everybody else, that the person with us is thinking about what's, what else they have to do, where they're going, what they have to, to get done. But it's the best feeling in the world when you know someone is right there with you. And then trust the Spirit to guide your response. The Spirit knows what is needed, and the Spirit knows what you can do. More often than not, I find that my response is some pretty simple things. Sometimes it's just picking up something someone dropped or holding a door. Um, sometimes I just stop and I just take the time to listen to someone and I ask them what's going on in their life. It's pretty rare for someone to do that and really listen to the response. So what a gift. Sometimes my response comes after the fact. I may have listened and then I go home and I send them a card or a note. Sometimes I share with people how I see God at work through them. Sometimes it's helping someone with a project. None of those are big things. But the one thing I've learned is that it's often the small things that have the bigger impact. You think about your own experiences. What are some of those ways that God has shown up for you and the people around you? What are some of the things that Someone has said or done that, that's lifted you up in a moment when you needed that. And they may not have even been aware you needed it. It doesn't always take a lot to make a difference. But it does take a willingness on our part to be present and to let ourselves be used while we are there. The other thing I've noticed is that it's interruptions in life that provide the most meaningful moments, not the things I've planned to do. And that can only happen if you're there in the moment, if you allow yourself to be present in the moment, if while you are there, you pay attention. Jesus was amazing at that, but then again, he was Jesus. He was able to live fully in the moment and always be present to the needs around him. He saw the opportunities in, in everyday life to reach out and make a difference for people and bring that spirit of healing to hurting people. We have to work a little harder at it. But maybe it might help to remind yourself or think about how would your day be different and how would the days of the people around you be different if while you were there, you were really there. If while you were there, you took the time to be Christ to them. For the most part, I think we are all right where we are supposed to be. The question really is, what are we going to do while we are here? So that's my challenge to you. Ask yourself that question every day when you wake up. While I'm here today, how will I bring a spirit of hope and encouragement and a taste of that kingdom of God to the people I will meet. You never know how God might use you if you just do that little thing. Amen.